The RCR shop has great gift ideas. From great looking tees, hoodies, caps, tote bags, bumper stickers and more, the RCR shop is now open at www.realitycheck.radio forward slash shop. Welcome back, everybody. You're here with Natalie Cutler-Welsh on the Up Your Brave show. And my next guest is Christopher Watson. We are going to dive into a topic we haven't discussed before, but it is so relevant right now. We're talking about the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But first, the bad news. Welcome to the show, Christopher. It's my pleasure to be here, Natalie. Thank you for the uh, invitation. Well, thank you for being a regular listener, and I know you come to our, you're a foundation member, and you come to our monthly webinars, and it's so great to be covering this topic with you. For those of you that don't know Christopher, he says he's no academic, uh, but he does have university qualifications in economics, science, and business. He's been management consultant, aligning emerging technologies with various business objectives, then a personal a projects manager for a large French tech before switching to private contracting and delivering information systems solutions into several organizations, including NZQA and Ministry of Health. He is a born-again Christian, which means that his worldview is shaped not only by investigative research and data analysis in the fields of economics and information science, but also by his technological and practical interest in the Holy Bible. From his involvement in local freedom initiatives, he has fought to preserve what he regards to be our God-given freedoms, not state-ordained permissions, including the sovereignty of the individual, to speak and act freely in good conscience. He's written a book that interprets events of this present age in the light of the gospel message and Bible prophecy concerning the coming Antichrist and a dystopian one-world government. Christopher resides with his wife in New Zealand, growing organic fruit and vegetables, raising backyard chooks, helping a few people who are suffering from mental health issues, and occasionally talking about Jesus, doing a bit of trading, exercising in his home gym, and in other ways, striving to live a healthy life under the sovereignty and providence of God. Welcome, Christopher. Thank you, Natalie. That last um, point about striving to live a healthy life. I had a conversation with uh, my friend um, who was a psychologist uh, about what health really means and and, and the difference between wealth and health and what's true wealth. So perhaps I could start there because it was a good conversation. And, of course, you know, our wealth is more than just money in the bank. And having come through the last three years, I've – realized um, that true wealth is is more to do with our health, you know, the physical health, but also the mental health, uh, the number of days we've got left on this planet to make a difference, and the um, the state of our relationships. So for me, as a born-again Christian, you know, m- my vertical relationship with God, with the, the, the Trinitarian God, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is, is primary to the health of my relationships uh, in the horizontal. It's like the picture of the cross. You know, get things right in the vertical and it helps us uh, in the horizontal in uh, how we relate to others. So, um, yes, the definition of health and wealth and so on has sort of been tossed about and uh, it's become clearer to me as to what my priority should be in the days remaining. Well, it's obviously become a huge priority for you such that you've written a book all about this. Um, how did that book come to be? What what was what was was there a pivotal moment that um, that sent you on this path? 
Well, God revealed himself to me like uh, in, in 1988. It goes a long way back. Um, so I've had a long time to to grow in not just my knowledge of God, you know, through the Holy Bible and connecting with him through prayer and being led by the Spirit of God. But um, so there's that. But also um, I've become easier to live with, I think, because of me connecting better with, with the living God. And so um, by his grace, I've I've uh, married Carolyn. We've raised four children, and uh, they've all flown the nest. But my marriage, now we've celebrated 31 years just um, a couple of months ago. And so, yeah, I, I can go into my my upbringing. <laughs> it really goes right back. It's um, because I didn't have a lot of fathering uh, and a lot of early childhood experiences of what a marriage really looked like, let alone a healthy marriage. And so I struggled early on to know how to go about um, forming relationships that were going somewhere. You know, I had girlfriends, but they soon realized that it wasn't going to lead to marriage. And so you know, I was, I'd be skipping from one relationship to another because I didn't really have much interest or knowledge of what would make for a good marriage and how I might step into that role as a husband, let alone a good father. And so it took really um, God getting my attention. And I had to hit a brick wall before I looked up. I was too conceited and proud in my own ways. And and he, he made me realize how much of a sinner I was. I mean, we're all sinners. We've all inherited a sin nature from Adam uh, as a result of what happened in the Garden of Eden. And, you know, we struggle with that in different ways. But pride can make out like it's not such a problem. And you don't notice the damage that you're doing in, uh, into your relationships and how much you can be more of a curse than a blessing to others. And so I was woken up to that, to the fact that I am a sinner and I can't save myself. And I needed to, to, to connect with someone who was supremely good, righteous, holy, and could be my best friend. And his name is Jesus. And so it was only when I uh, came to know the Lord on bended knee and connected with him, believing in Jesus for who he is, that he started to reshape me from the inside out. And uh, it's only when he pieced me together more in his image and and with some character attributes that were, you know, like the traits of Jesus' own character. And I became interested in, in him as a role model and following him and being reshaped that he could get me into a shape good enough to um, to marry Carolyn. And so when she came across out, out my path, I kept her waiting too long, but um, it was a short engagement. And um and a proposal and a, and and a great marriage. I mean, the, the courting was wonderful. I'd never court, courted any woman like that before because I knew how to. I, God had shown me how to to come into a relationship that was going somewhere. And so, you know, I look back and just say, that's by the grace of God. I'd be dead by now. I know I was crazy on motorbikes and you know, living the sex, drugs, and rock and roll at, to a point where I was down that road to destruction. And um, if it wasn't for God reaching out. <laughs> And um, he chose me, you know, before I chose him. But I responded to his love by faith and have never regretted it. You know, uh, hey, Natalie, I'm wondering if we could open in prayer. I mean, that's probably enough about my background. But can we commit this interview? Do you mind if I open in? Yes, in that's fine. Before we dive into the, the main portion, definitely go ahead. Um, we're, we're open to that. Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. May thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity today to advance your kingdom here on earth through the work of RCR and Natalie's openness to consider and discuss the full gospel message of your son, Jesus, whose incarnation and birth many of us are about to celebrate at Christmas. We set you before us this day, O oh Lord, direct our steps, we pray, that we might be humble instruments of your righteousness and blessing as conduits of this powerful message of faith, hope and love broadcasted into a fallen world that is hungry for truth, for your grace, for your merciful divine intervention, for true peace, and for your love, a love bigger than just any notion that's been built by man, a love that covers a multitude of sins, the love of our creator, the holy trinity, father, spirit, son, one true God, yet a triunity of three divine persons in one. So hear our prayer, O Lord, that we might step into your will this day, for you know each star in the sky and every grain of sand. You hold the weight of the world, but still we don't slip through your hands. You feel the pain of the world, but you never push ours aside. You know all of our fears, our hopes, our dreams, which we commit this day to thee. Because if I think to give up, I know that because of your love, O oh Lord, you never give up on me. Reach out to us during this interview, O oh Lord. Help me by your spirit to convey the gospel message in such a way that it's well understood. For it truly is, as the Apostle Paul has declared in the book of Romans, the power of God unto salvation for those who believe. This we pray in the mighty and holy name of Jesus Christ, our Messiah and Son of the living God. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Well, I think a lot of people have wanted to you know, give up or they have been looking for a savior or something in these last few years, particularly. The topic you've chosen is called the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, but first the bad news. Do you want to start with the bad news and tell us, like, put things into context? <laughs> and we're sure. intentionally airing this interview um, early December. So in the lead up to Christmas, like before Christmas, um, such an important time. So yeah, put things into context for us, if you will, about this topic and specifically what we're navigating at the moment. Okay, so the book I have written, and I'm making it available to anyone in the freedom community, right up until Christmas at no charge. It's just a PDF, which is an A5 format. So it's easy enough to read on a phone, or if you prefer a tablet or a laptop. Um, it's called Save From What, as Natalie has said. It starts with the bad news that comes before the good news, and um, it's in a modern-day setting with reference to the coming Antichrist and one world government. So it's not just academic. It's not just theological with no contemporary relevance. It very much is uh, relevant to what we see coming because of what's been prophesied. And so it pays reference not just to the gospel of Jesus Christ, but also some Bible prophecy, different passages of scripture that talk of the dystopian one world government and the enslavement of mankind that's coming with uh, central bank digitalized currencies and you know, the doing away with cash and so on, um, the track and trace and the digital surveillance. So it's all um, very much apt, I think, and, and uh, relevant to what we see happening, which many other people have noticed, of course, it's not just me and my research. And so it's important to start with the bad news, I think, because when it comes to salvation, I mean, it's human nature to 
not see that you need to be saved from anything until you understand there's an existential threat, you know, and, and that you really um, cannot just rely on your own resources uh, to to get out of what's about to come. And so the bad news, um, I won't read out the details of what's in the book. I mean, anyone who's interested can email me at wattyc at proton.me. It's W-A-T-T-Y, the letter C, wattyc at proton.me. And I'm happy to send you um, a free copy by email. But to wrap it up, there is, um, if I can summarize the bad news, and you'll see how this is um, how this is written in the book. It goes right back to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And I do believe that we do have, you know, Adam and Eve first created as the first humans. I'm not really on board and don't subscribe to us coming from apes or from fish or from pond scum or from RNA that's zapped from lightning or from aliens and so on. We We do have a creator and he created not just the heavens of the earth, but he also created humanity. So it goes back to the fall, to how because of uh, what Adam and Eve were tempted by and and in their disobedience, um, we have inherited a sin nature. So we're all of us sinners, and that's due to the sin nature that we've inherited from Adam, a profound character flaw and depravity of the heart and mind, which drives us to commit many and various sins and to keep on sinning. And we fall wretchedly short of the goodness, the holiness and glory of God and for what God has purposed uh, for us to step into and enjoy. And since we're not holy, our sins separate us from a God who is holy and take us progressively away from God. You might have heard the term um, down the path of destruction. Well, there was a path of unrighteousness, of guilt, regret, inner sorrow and shame and troubling unrest. There's a lack of peace when we don't have God in our lives and we don't connect with the one who created us. But more than that, God's justice requires that as sinners we are to be judged and punished for our sins, for the wages of sin are death, according to Romans 6.23. And sin and holiness cannot dwell together, neither here on earth nor in the afterlife, and our fate is to suffer the consequences of our sins and perish condemned, separated from God. Um, there's a doctrine of reincarnation that's propagated by some religions, but that's a demonic lie because, as the Bible says, it's appointed for man to die once, but after this comes the judgment. So there is a judgment to come. God's justice must prevail both here in this life and come judgment day for all eternity. And if it wasn't for his undeserved mercy, we'd be destined to be one of many countless souls that's cast into an eternal Uh, damnation and separation from our creator to suffer and to perish and it's like god's not like santa where he has like a list of good deeds and bad deeds it's not like any good deeds of charity that we perform can balance the books or atone for our sins no matter how many good deeds we might accumulate they will not qualify us to avoid or even lessen god's judgment to come like in the court of law it's possible there might be mitigating circumstances but you're still found guilty and judged and sentenced, uh, because compared to the righteousness of God, our own righteousness is like filthy rags. It's from Isaiah 54, 6. And regardless of any good intentions or noble endeavors, any charitable deeds, we're unable to save ourselves from the condemnation that's due, that's to be dealt upon us quite justly. And to believe otherwise is to be deceived by one's own pride. And it runs contrary to scripture. 
I mean, in a way, the pride within is our own worst enemy. It's so subtle, and yet it can stop us from reaching out and depending on on God, on the living God, or even from accepting help from others. There is this reality uh, to our human condition, and there's a reality um, to God's holy prevailing justice as well. This inherited fundamental flaw in our spiritual soul is like a cancerous depravity which threatens our entire being, body, soul, and spirit, with an existential annihilation. And by our own hand, we can do nothing to prevent it. So that's the bad news. And if it's not by our own hand that we can prevent it or escape this judgment and condemnation to come, which is justly due, how can we be saved from the dire consequences of our sins and from the sin nature that we've inherited? How can we be saved both in this life and in the life to come, the afterlife? So what are so, people being uh, saved from? What are people yeah. being saved from? What does that mean when it's like, what does, you know, they're being saved? Okay, so there is um, the eternal damnation, which sometimes people focus too much on. You know, oh, you, you're preaching firestone and uh, brimstone and, and, and hellfire, you know. But it's, it's not just the, um, the perishing of our spiritual soul, because we can't be joined you know, to a holy God, if if that penalty has not been paid for uh, by someone, and I'll come to who that is shortly. But there's also in this life um, a lot that we are saved from, and um, I'll, I'll just give you a few examples, Natalie. Um, those who are without Christ have no head knowledge of Him, of what Jesus has done, or what He's taught, or what he is to mankind. They have no heart faith in him as their saviour to believe and put their trust in Christ. And I don't mean just like baptism, singing carols, attending church and so on. I'm talking about a, a heart faith where you've decided to believe and trust in, in Christ. They have not been convicted by the Spirit, um, the Holy Spirit, and are led by him into the family of God, adopted as one of uh, Christ's folk and children of the living God, and then sanctified to be more like Jesus. Um, the word says that unless you're converted and become as little children, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And it means to have childlike faith and to be led by the Spirit. To be without the Spirit is to be without Christ. And people without Christ are without God, because Jesus himself says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And so without Christ, we're without God. And they also without enduring peace. So to be saved is to be saved from trouble and the um, the shame that, that, that comes with um, indulging in, in, in what the world has to offer and, and the sins and becoming um, bind, bound to that. Like there's a bondage that comes with um, not turning away from the what the world has to offer by way of the the decadent pleasures of this world and to say no to temptations. You know, I, I mean, I have, to... I have a, a view that people are generally good and they generally want to have a positive impact on the world. I hear what you're saying about a sin nature. I don't think everyone sins to the same extent. Would you agree? 
No, but that's true. But if we compare ourselves with others, we'll soon find other people that we can feel pretty good about ourselves um, in that comparison. You know, we can always find someone who's doing evil more than we are. And sure. But we can be proud about how we're doing okay. And yes, we can have good intentions and we can have noble motives, but it's only God who can bring out the best in us, Natalie, because he knows us better than we know ourselves. And he's provided a way for us to step into connecting with them better where it rubs off. It's like the people you really respect and admire. Some of their character traits can rub off on you, you know, the more you mm. get closer to them and follow them. And that's what happens when we follow Christ. We become more like him and he's supremely good. So if you want to get um, – it's not just improving a life. It really is taking on like a, a new man, like taking off the old coat and putting on a new one. Like when you were talking earlier about um, being reshaped and, and you know, some of the characteristics and you were showing up differently in the world. Um, yeah. Is that what you mean? Like, so it's like when you, when you, the people you hang around, or if you're um, surround yourself with God's love, then you take on some of his characteristics and you can't help but become a better person. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Like yeah. the difference between righteousness and holiness, I don't want to get too theological on this, but when we come to trust in Christ and believe in him, his righteousness is imputed to us. So it's because of his blood that which paid the price for our sins that God the Father looks upon us and sees us covered by the blood of Christ, the blood of his son, and, and we're considered or counted as righteous because of his righteousness and, and the blood that's paid the price. So that's righteousness, and it's connected to the justification, which is a reformist term to say that yeah, we're justified by our faith, but it comes because of the work done by Christ, because of his love and his sacrifice. Holiness is is not imputed so much, it's infused, and it's something which comes into your character as a result of getting close to someone who's holy. And it's that spiritual connection that's made available to us, the connection with God, which is made available to us through Jesus Christ. And so it is like a born-again experience and that you have this new life and this spiritual life, which you never had before because it's a, a new connection with the living God because you're getting to uh, the Holy Trinity through Jesus Christ. And, and so it's taken them seriously. And so there is um, there is evidence that God exists. And, and, and maybe, you know, with every belief system, and there are many, there are presupp presuppositions that go with it. Yes, And so in my book, I've listed a few presuppositions because they're the foundation for any belief system. And if you get those wrong, then the whole thing can shake and, and tremble and, and, and come down um, sooner or later if, if those presuppositions aren't accepted and, and found to be true and well-grounded. Um, so there are some of those. And, um, for example, there's one presupposition that God exists. Now, people might have a problem with that. Some of the listeners might say, well, how do you know that God exists? Well, I'll give you some evidence for that shortly. But that's a presupposition with some, I think, very strong evidence. Uh, the second one is that God is one, and yet three persons in one, a holy trinity of Father, Spirit, Son. Uh, for example, if you say to any Muslim, look, uh, God has a son, uh, they, they would say, no, that's blasphemy. God, or Allah, does not need a son. And they consider it blasphemy that you should believe and um, and declare that uh, there is a son of God. They don't understand or believe in the Holy Trinity. Um, they saw Christians as a type of polytheism. Um, Muhammad did in the early days. 
And so it wasn't just the Indians, the Hindus that were attacked because of their polytheism. It was also the Christians who were considered to be polytheistic. In other words, believing in many gods rather than one god. So the whole Trinity is is important to understand how it can be three persons in one and yet still one God because they are essentially the, the same, the same divine substance, and they work in unity as one, um, Father, Spirit, and Son. Um, these three persons of the Trinity are co-equal, they're co-eternal, they transcend space and time and all of creation, yet they're also intimately involved with it. And so it's not just a God that stands aloof, who's distant and disconnected to his creation. It's very much connected with it and intervenes mercifully, you know, at times. Um, the fourth presupposition is that the Genesis account of a six-day creation and man's subsequent disobedience in the Garden of Eden, termed the original sin, are historical events of profound importance. And that's another starting position. That's another plank in the foundation is the Genesis account. Of, uh, of creation and what happened in the Garden of Eden, the fall. Adam and Eve's disobedience, number five, resulted in the loss of innocence, fall from grace and a sin nature that through Adam all subsequent generations of humanity have since inherited, including you and me. There's three more. Six, that the sin nature, which is not holy, is a flaw in our human condition, which presents an existential threat that separates us from the goodness, the purposes, the wise counsel, holiness of the sovereign king of the universe, our loving creator, and that separation has both temporal and eternal consequences. Seven, that the Holy Bible is the inerrant, inspired word of God, used by the Holy Spirit to reveal to us the true nature and purposes of God, the profound predicament of man's fallen nature, and our need for atonement, and the way to obtain it through Jesus Christ. So the, the good news is very much there in the Holy Scriptures. Eight, the love well, his love covers a multitude of sins, and there's nothing in the universe which is more powerful than the love of God, who so loves us that he's provided a solution to the cancerous and existential problem of our human condition. And this he has done by way of the incarnation of Jesus Christ, his teachings, his sacrificial death. The second person of the Holy Trinity has been sent here that we might come to know who God is, his purposes and ways, what's right and what's not. Jesus Christ was born of the likeness of sinful flesh. We celebrated at Christmas, yet he was without sin to teach us the way, the truth, and the life to live that is pleasing to God, good for ourselves and good for others. And this good news for mankind, which is centered on the person, character, and saving work of Jesus Christ, is known as this gospel message. And the last is God is good. He always has been and always will be. And so those are the presuppositions. And you, know, you tell me when you'd like me to come to what what some empirical evidence might be of the existence of God because yes well we'll yeah well we'll come to that I mean I absolutely <laughs> agree with you everyone has you know there are so many different beliefs out there and there are so many different presuppositions um, but given your beliefs and as a born again Christian what yeah. do you see in terms of what we're all going through at the moment and and okay. I I mean we can talk about the past four years but let's even look ahead what how do you see things playing out or what you know what what are you anticipating i know i've heard a lot from the communities and groups that i'm in you know this we're living in biblical times it's going to be biblical you know you hear those phrases mm. what do you what is your take on what we're going through and what lies ahead well it's not um pretty uh, because if we understand the bible to be true and for bible prophecy to give us a pretty good 
um, ideas to what's ahead of us. And Bible prophecy has been found to be true in the past, <laughs> and a lot of prophecy has been fulfilled already. But in terms of what's ahead of us, there's a tyranny coming. There's a spirit of Antichrist, which is becoming more bold. And the devil, or the prince of this world, as he's known, is having his way with a lot of people. So much um, of the last three years has been um, an exposure of how much the power and principalities ruling this world have been able to deceive us and have their way with a gullible um, world citizenry that sort of sought the best of our leaders and just went along with what our governments are telling us and what big pharma are saying is best for us and what the central banksters want us to do without much question and without much challenge. But there's been a great awakening, and I think that's good. I mean, there is a, there is a silver lining in the cloud. Yeah, I, I don't like to focus on the cloud. Sometimes um, the, um, the night is, is darkest just before morning. Mm -hmm. and, and also we can learn a lot as we are taken through, um, through some tough times. Um, we can learn a lot more in the valleys than we do on the hills. And yeah, we're not to marvel at the evil and the enmity that is coming at us via the gates of hell. And I don't mean specifically Bill Gates, although I would say he's definitely part of it. <laughs> uh, when compared to those around and above us, you know, the powers and principalities of this world who are under the sway of the evil one, the father of lies, it is we freedom lovers who love the truth, who are seeking it and proclaim it boldly, um, who are less unrighteous. You know, more in tune with our creator and the truth, more alive and so more powerful. We shouldn't underestimate how much power we have when we seek the truth and declare it. The truth is like a lion. I mean, you don't even have to defend it much. You just have to let it loose. <laughs> so part of my book is to let loose you know, some of the truth that's come out from, from my research. I mean, a lot of other people have done research, of course, as well over the last two or three years. I've had the time to do so, and I've I've dumped a lot of those findings into um, into a book with a lot of links through to source material. I mean, I've got links in the back, you'll see in the bibliography in that, to um, over 100, probably 200 um, websites and, and truthers and blogs and so on. So I've, But I've not just been caught up in, in theories um, and, and that don't have any substance or, or, or grounds uh, that are solid. Um, yeah, I've learned how to learn in the seven years I've been at university. I know how to research. I know how to get corrobor corroboration with the various sources of data to make sure that there's witnesses uh, that can verify, you know, what's being claimed and, and to look at the empirical evidence beneath it. But, yeah, the gates of hell will not withstand those who love the, the truth, who love the way, the truth, the life and the light of this world that has overcome the darkness. And Jesus Christ is pivotal in that for me, Natalie. I mean, I've said already he's the way, the truth, and the life, because it's it's the truth, his truth, that sets us free from the devil's deceit and bondage, which is prophesied will come more and more. And it's that deceit which it can be a real problem for us. We don't realize the psyops and, and, and how clever they are at times. The latest one, for example, I mean, we're aware now of the psyop around the scandemic, but there's been others before, you know, the 9-11 PSYOP. Uh, people are taking that more seriously now and questioning a lot of what happened um, there around yeah, that and what was said. Um, so it goes back to that, but also ahead of us, you know, there's likely to be a, an alien invasion PSYOP or threat of one. I mean, 
it's in the interest of these powers and principalities controlling the world that they keep us in fear. They, they feed us all this fear porn and expect us to indulge in it. And it's our role not to indulge in it, not to be caught up and and um, and misled and conned. And the latest psyop, we, we talked about this on Sunday, um, the so-called holy war. I mean, that Russia-Ukraine uh, Russia, um, war was, was a bit of a psyop. But this latest one is designed by these very clever fourth dimensional chess players in the, the echelons of power of this world to lead us into a divide and rule um, situation where we're at each other's throats and less likely to be at their throats. It's the old Marxist ploy out of the out of their game book, uh, the, the, the playbook of, of Marxism, but even goes back to the French Revolution and so on. If you can get the populace, the people, to be at each other's throats, they're less likely to come over the wall, aren't they, at the um, the, those, the ones in power, the elite. Absolutely. And thank you for your comment on the webinar. I remember it. And as I said, and I've said multitude of times, um, if we have a population that is sick, scared or stressed, they're much easier to be controlled. And that's exactly what's been going on, not just the past four years, probably the past <laughs> hundreds of years in the lead up. And it will continue. So I love what you were saying about the truth is like a lion. And it's time maybe to let loose the lion. More and more people are seeing more of the truth. Um, but I think a lot of people are still quite oblivious. Yeah. So the awakening has to um, continue. And there are a lot of masses who still sit in front of the six o'clock news thinking that the more they do that, the better informed they are. Well, really, the better deceived they are. Mark Twain um, was one who said, um, yeah, if, if, we, if we don't read the newspapers, then we're uninformed. But if we do read them, we're misinformed. And I think in a modern day setting, you know, if you watch the mainstream media and RCR people you know, and listeners are well aware of this. Uh, uh, we haven't watched TV here in this house for about three or four years. And we go onto the Internet and go searching for our own news feeds. You know, and, but there are a lot of people who don't search for their own news feeds. And of course, the news feeds choose them, don't they? If you don't choose your own news feeds, then the mainstream media and their their owners uh, in the echelons of power will find their way to to lock you into their narratives. And so it's important at the outset to go searching for the truth, to love the truth, to go searching for it um, in unorthodox um, news outlets. And there's so much opportunity now with the internet to be able to go looking for honest reporting and investigative journalism that can be often citizen journalists rather than ones that are you know, waiting for the next pay packet with um, some uh, network um, operation. And so the one world government is coming. You know, it's, there's a personification with an Antichrist ruler who was set up his throne in Jerusalem, which is interesting, given what um, Netanyahu and his government have done with uh, Pfizer making a lab, uh, a live lab of the whole country for Pfizer. And, you know, if we think our mandates have been bad, they've been a lot worse in Israel. And there's been other stuff going on there, which is is inviting in, really, um, the, the, the dystopia of a one world government. The central banksters have got a lot to um, to, to, to use um, to bring us in line with their agenda as well. So the book does identify a lot of agendas, not just the agenda to control our health and our sickness, frankly. Um, Pfizer, for example, sell drugs to, to help with myocarditis. So, you know, they're getting money both ways. 
aren't they? They they cause it with their mRNA jabs, and then they make more money out of um, uh, hospitals buying their products to help deal with the adverse effects. So that's just one example. So the one agenda is to take control of our health and undermine our individual sovereignty, our body sovereignty. It's no longer my body, my choice. The second agenda is to control our freedoms um, with our movement, with our finances, with our ability to associate with other people uh, without being monitored. And um, so there's that agenda as well. But there's others. There's a depopulation agenda. Um, SV40, simian virus um, 40. It's been around for a while since polio when it was seen there to be contaminating the polio vaccines decades ago. But it's a DNA contamination that actually undermines and inhibits the body's natural cancer suppressing genes. So your body has a natural mechanism to suppress and to kill off its um, any cancerous cells that might become a problem. And most people don't even notice because they're killed off before cancer symptoms arise. But what SV40 does, and it's been found by the Danes to be in about 4% of their Pfizer jabs, it uh, inhibits the natural process within the body to fight off cancer. So that's why we're getting more cancers. Our own church down here has got five cancers. We've never had so many cancers before, and I think we haven't seen the last of it. It's going to get worse in this nation. Turbo cancers are coming for sure. And there's other agendas. There's the transhumanism and um, eugenics agenda, uh, trying to turn humans into cyborgs. I mean, these people in the WF, for example, Harari, uh, Noah Harari, Uval Harari, he, he is um, determined to, he calls it evolution, the next step in evolution, um, you know, humanity 2.0, to bring in high tech into the human body to make us less than human, no longer in God's image, but in his image, <laughs> like most eugenics and and people who um, play God in the science realm. There is the technology available now to use mRNA to actually instruct the body to produce certain proteins and to operate in a way which it wouldn't naturally do, wouldn't normally do, and not just the human body, and animals as well. So this mRNA technology is synthetic bio, and it's no coincidence that Pfizer's partner is called BioNTech, you know, that they're combining biology with technology to make cyborgs out of us, really, so that we're part technology and part human. And it goes right to the DNA. So, you know, there's that as well, the transhumanism aspects. I mean, none of this will be news to a lot of your listeners. And I, I agree. None of it, I mean, it's in the book. That's right. Sorry. None of it's news to, to to you and me, but it, it might be news to some. But a lot of our listeners will start seeing, oh, goodness, yeah, a lot of these things are all designed to disempower. And um, and that is the main thing, as you said earlier in this interview, you know, we are more powerful than we've than we've been told and than we realize. And a lot of it we've been it's been pushed down a little bit. Yeah, so um, I believe uh, as a Christian, you know, uh, through Jesus Christ, yeah, we are drawn into the perfect will of God, our creator. And there's no safer place to be than in the will of God. The will of God truly is both safe and effective. Yeah. <laughs> now, yeah, often the, the enemy will counterfeit, um, you know, some something that's true. <laughs> yeah. Like the Antichrist is the counterfeit of Jesus Christ. Like he's trying to take power and authority in, in the world that truly belongs to Christ, who eventually will establish his kingdom here. But there's some pain and suffering to go through before we get there, because there's a um, a, a winnowing out of of the uh, the wheat from the tears. 
So the wheat, like scripturally, uh, are left to grow with the tears. So the tears aren't ripped out early. Um, there's a parable about this where the Christ followers says, um, well, should we take out all the tears, all the weeds? And, and Jesus says, no, no, just leave them there for now until the wheat has grown a bit, um, and then we'll take them out. So that's, um, there's, the wheat is really those who seek the truth, who love the truth, and who s- seek God you know, through Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, and the tears are those that don't love the truth enough to um, to really seek God, you know, and then they're just quite happy with the official narratives, and they're just going along. And those are the ones that are going to end up not just being um, condemned when they die, but but meanwhile they're going to be drawn into this uh, one world government and this dystopian rule, and won't realise till it's too late. I mean, you, you know as well as I do, you go into shops now, and people are just right on board with the digital cards mm. and so on whether it's pay wave or whether it's just putting in the cards, I go in with cash all the time and it's a lot lot faster and there's a lot more freedom. And the shopkeepers actually enjoy it because they don't have to add a percentage because of what Visa are charging them, for example. So cash is king. And, and, and like to step into that financial freedom you know, is important for so long as we have it left for us to enjoy because the central banksters have got other plans. They want everything de- digitalized with a programmable digital currency, which means they can decide what you can and cannot buy. So sooner or later, these tiers or these um, ones who are just going with the flow will go to the supermarket and find they can't buy proper meat because they haven't purchased enough lab-grown meat last week. They'll find they go to the the service station and can't uh, fill up their petrol guzzler because they did last week. Um, and so there's nothing you can do about it. You just get a decline. And because it's all digital, you don't have the freedom to pay in cash because that's been out. And there'll be temptations like uh, little carrots, you know, to get people yes. more involved with digital Incentives. Currency. Yeah, like the UBI. Have you heard of that? That's the universal basic income, which will be digital. You'll be given a digital wallet and it would be, take a very strong person of principle to say no to a UBI when it's free cash, but it will be digital, it'll be in a wallet, and I'm sure sooner or later all the benefits will be paid by way of a digital wallet, a digital currency that the Reserve Bank will put in place, and you'll have a digital account with the Reserve Bank to get your benefits. So anyone who thinks they're on a benefit and doing okay, watch out. You'll have some hard decisions to make as to whether you jump on board with that and go with the flow, whether you try to use other ways to um, to trade, you know, whether it's cash or whether it's bartering or whether it's gold and silver, silver coins. So there's obviously a lot of um, challenges ahead, you know, potential pitfalls for people or opportunities to stand their ground or whatever the case may be. Yeah. What do you think, um, what are some things that we can do to support us on the, as we move forward and as more things come our way? Okay, so the last two chapters of the book cover that. There's a lot we can do there to protect our privacy. Don't take your privacy for granted as though, you know, you've got nothing to hide. And so, well, you don't have to be concerned about um, privacy, whether it's a VPN or whether it's um, getting a DNS address that's in Europe somewhere or using fake GPS for your phone. So people think you're resting up in Queenstown, you know, about to go skiing rather than where you actually are. Now, this might seem to be um, dishonest to some, (laughs) but I'd rather protect my privacy and have no one snooping around trying to build a case against me because like the the old KGB, I mean, their motto was like, give me the man and I'll find the crime. Now, it's no longer 
give me the crime and I'll look for suspects and then see if there's any evidence, you know, alibis, et cetera, as to whether they're involved or not. No, it's the, it's the other way around. If they decide for political reasons that they want to take you down, they will. Look what happened to Glorivale or like to Nick Farage um, or to um, McCola and so on. They debanked them. Can you imagine what it's like, Natalie, to be able to, um, to, to not have a bank account now, given so much is digital? I mean, all the wages are going through digitally, I mean, to a bank account. If, if you were told by your bank tonight that, no, um, they didn't like what you've done, you've, you've breached their terms and conditions, which they updated just last month, so um, too bad that you didn't read them. And so um, they are cancelling your bank accounts. Glorivale had their, I think, something like 18 bank accounts of the BNZ cancelled. Now, they're going through the courts, and there's a stay on that. You know, there's um, there's an interim injunction that... Um, but but that's not over. And if that can happen to them, um, it can happen to individuals. It happened to those supporting the truckies in um, Canada uh, when exactly. um, Trudeau and his right-hand Nazi decided to, um, the second in charge, decided to take down those who supported the truckies over there. You'd be familiar with that. I am familiar with that as a Canadian Kiwi. That's right. They froze the bank accounts. For those of you that are listening, we'd love to hear your thoughts. What is resonating for you in terms of our conversation today about the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ? And we're also talking about a lot of issues in the past and things that lie ahead for us during this time we're navigating. What is resonating with you? You can send us a text 2057 or email inbox at realitycheck.radio. Hey, are you? <laughs> Christopher, before we go to the four questions that I ask my, all of my amazing guests, I'd love to know, what do you value most in life? Well, um, if I can start in the negative, I, I find the pleasures of this world, Natalie, to be generally fleeting, <laughs> often hollow and less than satisfying right. and often unfulfilling. So, I mean, it, it may be because I've come through life, but you know, I'm a bit longer in the tooth. But what I value most is my relationship with God, which which I strengthened by reading the Bible, praying, and through Christian witness, and demonstrating my gratitude uh, in other ways for his favor and, and my love of Jesus. And that helps me in the horizontal as well, um, the more I connect with him well in the vertical. Um, and so God's demonstrated his own love towards us, and that while we're, we're still sinners, Christ died for us. The least we can do is demonstrate some love for him in return. And so my love with God in the vertical through Christ strengthens my relationship with others in the horizontal. And like I said before, it's the picture of the cross. And I've taught my children that the keys to successful living are not popularity, social status, lots of money, uh, or even good health, but faith, hope, and love. Because yes. without faith, it's impossible to please God. And without hope, we have no anchor for the soul. Without love, we're like a clanging symbol, you know, more of a curse than a blessing to others, no matter how much knowledge we might have because knowledge puffs up love edifies so the greatest of these three is love faith hope and love and god is no man's debtor so i find that the more that i return even just a small portion of his love shown towards me and um, towards him and others around me the more i'm drawn into his kingdom into what i call our happy place the kingdom of god is defined in the book of romans is not food or drink but righteousness peace and joy in the spirit and so the pathway into God's will, peace and true joy is via the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And, um, you know, the pleasures that Christ gives his followers, myself included, is something solid, lasting, steadfast and substantial. 
and not at all dependent on wealth, health, or any circumstances, really. And, you know, it's through our love of Jesus and his faithfulness that we come to enjoy the peaceable fruit of righteousness and the joy of the Spirit. So that's what I value most. Natalie, my happy place, the kingdom of God. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Spirit. True wealth. Amazing. And and you've gone through a massive transformation, of course, um, with this. And what is something you've done in the last year specifically where you've truly upped your brave? Well, I've written a book and it's actually been good therapy because you know what it's like to have all the stuff that the tyrants have been sending your way in your head and you can't stop thinking about it. Well, it's like they've got real estate up there and they're not paying rent. <laughs> so what, what I found helpful is to put a lot of what I've observed and what I've researched and, and found to be happening you know, as I look behind the veil into a book. So I've dumped it in a book and it helps me to relax a bit more about it because you know I put it in writing and it's there for people to consider, to discuss, to give me feedback on and so on. And I'm making my ebook. This is uh, at, at no charge for those of you listening who are freedom loving Kiwis wanting to do their part in setting other people free. Friends and family who you love enough to want to do so. Mm. And because the book's foundation is the full gospel message, it makes for a good Christmas gift. Now there are many people in this nation, too many who have are still ignorant as to who Jesus is, as to what he's done and why. And we're about to celebrate Christmas. It's got his name in it. It's the greatest story ever told, uh, involving a lot more than one man merely coming into the world and then dying on a cross over 2000, a little over 2000 years ago. Jesus Christ is so much more than merely an historical figure. He is divine and death could not hold him down. He rose again and ascended to the right hand of the Father in heaven. He's interceding for us now and with great plans and divine purpose for each of us. If only we'd pause our humdrum routines to read about him and seek his presence and power. And so the second part of the book, after the gospel is explained, is interpreting recent events, the scandemic, central bank moves to remove cash, the WHO treaties, etc. It examines those and interprets them in the light of the gospel message and Bible prophecy. The last two chapters provide some good tips and traps when it comes to exposing and opposing the tyranny that's on our doorstep. Um, and in preparing preparing to survive and thrive in the months and years ahead. So there's some good tips in there. I'd be interested in people's um, feedback. Well, there's a lot thank of websites you. in there that other truthers are you know, doing some great work in. I'd be surprised if people reading the book don't um, aren't already aware of many of them. The email, again, for people to either um, send me a, a note, and I'll reply with the book attached, is whattyc at proton.me, W-A-T-T-Y, the letter C, at proton.me. So I I welcome your um, interest in this and please uh, take up the offer. I think so too. And if people can't remember that email address, you're welcome to send us a text 2057 or email us inbox at realitycheck.radio. We can send you Christopher's email address. Thank you, number one, for all the research you've done. I can tell just discussing things with you you are very well researched on a range of topics, and I think it's quite unique bringing together this um, the perspective with Jesus Christ, which obviously does not get talked about a lot in mainstream media at all, um, and then bringing together that with what we're all going through at the moment and how it all interrelates and providing some solutions for people. So thank you for that. People can reach out and get your free ebook. What about your bucket list? Is there something you would love to do, be, or experience in your lifetime that we can help you with? Um, yeah, I'd like people to read the book and then decide which three to five people or whoever um, 
you know that you'd like to forward on to perhaps as a Christmas present. I mean, if, if I can get the good news out to people who need good news, we've had so much bad news in the last few years, then yeah, I, I, I'm happy to be a part of that and for you to also be a part of it. So that's something that you could help me with. Thank you. Okay. Spreading the word by spreading the word. What else is coming up for you in the next six months, either personally, like are you going on a holiday or any other projects or books you're working on? Uh, we've got Christmas with family coming here. And then my wife's uh, on a one-week holiday at the moment. She's worked hard this year. She's in the garden centre, which she loves. Um, a one-week holiday? That doesn't I, sound very long. Well, look, I, I don't think she'll mind me telling you this. She, um, we, as a matter of principle, decided not to take the shots. And she lost uh, her job. I say lost. We know exactly where it is. It was stolen from her uh, when she was teaching. And so she's sort of um, revamped um, her interest and objectives and and did a horticultural course. Now she's um, working in a garden center and she loves it. So, you know, God can bring some good out of anything bad. And look, darkness tends to come in on horseback and, and leaves on foot. Uh, to quote an old theologian, yeah, it's upon us before we even know it's coming off, and then it lingers. It doesn't leave us for quite some time. But look, when the days of darkness next come upon us, and there are more coming, let us remember this, that some lessons are never learned in the days of sunshine. And it often takes eyes of faith to see the opportunities that problems bring, that what appear to be problems, they could be opportunities if we look at them with the right perspective, you know, and say, this is also for my prophet that I might draw nearer to God and partake of his holiness and be more of a blessing to others. So mm. it's an opportunity to connect better with, with our creator. And he is still in control. He's sovereign. And, and and his lessons are sent in love. And, you know, we're in his school if we choose to pay attention with his instruction designed to grow our character to be more like Jesus Christ, who is the perfect image of the invisible God and our perfect role model. So, Let's look at, well, we could say the glass half full, but really it's looking at problems and turning them into opportunities. I mean, I've taught my children, hopefully, how to do that rather than just, you know, cozy up to self-pity because he's not our friend. He might make out he is, but he's not. He causes all sorts of trouble. So it's turning problems into opportunities and there's more darkness coming and we need the light of the gospel. We need to connect with the living God because He's our saviour, not just in the afterlife, but in the days to come. Well, that's a great message. And also, I love what you said earlier. We can learn a lot more in the valleys than on the hills. So I love that as well. Anything else you'd like to say to our audience before we wrap things up? Uh, Not really. But if if you're okay, since we started in prayer, I'd like to close the loop and just a short closing prayer, Natalie. Yes. Yes. So thank you, Father, for this opportunity today to convey to others in my own clumsy way the precious gospel of your precious son, whom you sent here over 2,000 years ago to declare your righteous ways and pay the ultimate price for our sins, that we might be forgiven and spiritually connect with you in ways that bring out the best in us. And then when our portion days here on earth are over, to be joined in holy matrimony to Christ for all eternity. Meanwhile, here we are, O Lord. Use us according to divine plans and purpose. We commit our lives afresh unto thee. Hear our prayer, O Lord, Father, Spirit, Son, that we might step more completely into your will and explore more fully your gospel message, that we might convey it to others in ways that are well understood and impacting. For it truly is, as the uh, the Apostle Paul has declared in the book of Romans, the power of God unto salvation for those who believe. And please, O Lord, convey a blessing on RCR. We thank you for their ministry into this nation, and more specifically for Natalie and her program. 
Almighty God, you are no man's debtor. Grant her a special blessing and favor this week that she and others around her have little doubt that it's supernatural, a blessing indeed that has come from our creator and living God. Continue to use her according to your overriding plans and purpose, we pray. This we ask in the mighty and holy name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Wow, thank you so much. Thank you, Christopher, for joining us today and sharing your wisdom and your insight with us. My pleasure, and thank you for the opportunity. Have a great week, Natalie. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Right now, free speech is under heavy attack in New Zealand and overseas, with governments constantly devising new ways to enforce censorship. To make sure you never miss the critical news and breaking stories you rely on, join the RCR mailing list today. Get connected now at realitycheck.radio forward slash email.